Dr. Doug Miller. Hello, hello. I was telling you uh, off camera and in the interest of vulnerability and authenticity, uh, I'm thrilled to have you on today. Uh, I feel like I'm punching above my weight class a little bit and a little bit uh, nervous, so I'm, I'm glad. So I appreciate you bearing with me while I you know, try, try to pick your brain. <laughs> um, I was telling you before, too, I, I'm, it, I feel like I've known you for years. We've only recently met in person at our summit you know, uh-huh. uh, just a few months ago. But I think a lot of that has been because uh, I, was, I was saying it tongue-in-cheek, but I am saying it sincerely as well that you've been doing content marketing before content marketing was cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I relate to you in a lot of, of those ways of, you know, like I, I, was, I was engaging and consuming your motivational moment mm-hmm. videos years ago. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how long those have been going on, but I, uh-huh. I was a follower of, you know, the motivational moments and uh-huh. the YouTube videos and all of that stuff. Um, and then another just kind of connection that I think is neat, but you've had your, hopefully I don't butcher it, aspire, ascend, achieve sort of tagline and, right. and hashtags and things right. like that. And I've always been a huge fan of the word ascent and upward Absolutely. mobility and, uh, you know, striving for, for higher things and, and really mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So, um, I'm just, uh, I'm just ecstatic to have you on. I'll share with you, too, that the, the timing of this, I think, is perfect. Um, so on Saturday, I'm going to tackle my first ever ultra marathon. Wow. I'm driving up to Colorado Springs, and I've signed up for a 24-hour race. Didn't you just do a marathon in Austin? I did. So, so much uh, for recovery time. Yeah. Well, I've had, I've had two, two and a half weeks or so, and I've been tapering and okay. you know, trying to be pretty good about it. But um, I'm excited because it's the first time I've ever finished a marathon and had more left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Like Physically, I felt really good. I was pretty emotional afterwards, but that was because of a reflection of my hard work and, and the reward that I felt really more than anything. It wasn't a painful mm-hmm. emotion. Um, but I'm excited because I'm, you know, I'm going to get to push the limit and see how far I can go in, in 24 hours. And one of the things I'm excited to talk to you about, because I've been exploring things like this, well, I'll say at an unofficial capacity, I'm not nearly as educated or, or as articulate as you on, on the topic, but I have been exploring this idea of what I'm calling intentional departures from the comfort zone. Great. Um, and sometimes that presents itself in you know, a cold plunge or an ice bath mm-hmm. or running for 24 hours or starting a podcast or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be of these, these kind of... Uh, purposefully putting myself in a situation where I'm stretched and, and I'm feeling uncomfortable. What I can say for sure is that I feel fulfillment afterwards, but I feel an immense amount of discomfort before and during. Um, and so I'm just so excited to have an opportunity to, you know, I have a cop- captive audience with, with Dr. Doug Miller and I get to pick your brain for okay. as long as you'll let me. Um, but that's kind of where I where I'd love to start is um, it, well and apologize but I'll take one one more step back but I've also been having a series of these conversations and 
an interesting kind of theme that has come up in all of them is these decision points that individuals have been forced to make to put themselves on a trajectory for the life that they want. Hard decisions, Mm -hmm. but knowing that if they stayed where they were at, they weren't liking where they were headed. Mm -hmm. So the first question I have for you is, if somebody's listening and they're feeling unfulfilled, they're, let's say, for example, stuck in, uh, you know, a job that they don't like or, you know, the, the, the nine to five hustle or, or whatever it might be. What would be your advice in terms of like the first step, the first first direction somebody could take to discovering what, you know, a, a different trajectory in life might look like? <laughs> okay. I'm still stuck on a few things that you've already said, so I, I, I do have to revisit some of that. Perfect. And then maybe this leads into answering more specifically your question, but you've said you're focusing on the intentional departure of the comfort zone. So those three words, you know, they sing to me because intentional, that's significant, right? Departure means like you're stepping out. You are jumping out of the comfort zone, right? So to do something intentionally means you have to think about it. And, and so an exercise I, I will do with, with people, large audiences, it's a simple one. If you're listening to the podcast, follow along with me, where just fold your hands, okay? You just fold your hands. I'm going to do it. Okay. I've, so you folded your hands. You just did it. You, you didn't even look down. And, and so I fold my hands. I look down, and I see my right thumb is on top. What thumb? of My left thumb is on top. Okay. So you did that without even thinking. Okay, there was no intentionality to that whatsoever. Okay, it, it's totally a habit, and our habits are in our comfort zone. Now, uncross your hands and fold them again, but put the other thumb on top. How's that feel? It feels uncomfortable. It does. It feels <laughs> weird, doesn't it? Okay, so I put my left thumb on top, and it just feels weird. Okay, it is uncomfortable. So another thing is, like, fold your arms. Okay, you fold your arms without even thinking about it. Look down, and, and you can see, like, for me, I have my right hand on my top of my left arm. My left hand is tucked underneath my right arm. Okay, and what do you have? Uh, left arm tucked above, right arm tucked below. Okay, so uncross them and fold them now the other way. I don't even know if I can. See? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> see, totally feels weird, right? Yeah. So the first time you did it was habitual. You didn't have to think about it. It's in your comfort zone. The second time you did it, you had to think about it. It was intentional. It was uncomfortable, which means it's outside your comfort zone, right? And so there are things that we do every day that we don't even think about that are just habits. And those habits just keep us in our comfort zone. And that, those habits keeping us in our comfort zone tend to be, become sort of the, the things that we know. And so even today, I was meeting with a, a man who was, is very much like you've described, who's doing the sort of regular job but has no fulfillment in it, is really f- struggling emotionally because he knows he wants something different. But to try to get him to intentionally step out of that is really hard because even though what he's doing sucks, he knows he hates it, it's what he knows. It's normal. It's become a habit for him, even though it sucks. So when we start exploring other things that he could do, be intentional to step out of that comfort zone, 
there's like there's this part of our brain that lights up and says don't leave because that's unsafe that is uncertainty we don't know what's going to happen if you leave but we know what's going to happen if you stay and Mm. that's certainty that's safe that's secure so don't leave even though it sucks it's what you know it's certain it's in your comfort zone we don't even have to think okay so intentionally depart from that comfort zone when we then depart from that comfort zone that like we have to intentionally choose to do that and it's uncomfortable just folding your hands and crossing your arms you can experience yes that's uncomfortable but then you amp it up when you're making big decisions about work right where that the discomfort just amps up big time so how do you then continue to to keep going there well if we just make decisions based on our feelings our feelings start to dictate what we do, and our feelings of discomfort of stepping out of our comfort zone is going to say, go back to the comfort zone. It's more comfortable there. It feels normal, right? There's no feeling that's scary. But if you're going to step out of that comfort zone, all these feelings that are uncomfortable show up, right? Uh, Uncertainty, anxiety, fear Fear, is there. And so if you're saying, I I don't want to feel that, then you're going to... Stay right back where you are, in that comfort zone. Now, here's the important thing to recognize, is that nothing great, nothing extraordinary has ever come from the comfort zone. Ooh. Nothing grows in the comfort zone. So if you want to do something great with your life, if you want to do something extraordinary with your life, you have an obligation to intentionally depart from the comfort zone. I love that, the, an obligation even, and that nothing great... So have you ever, I, 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 I saw this saying, for lack of a better term, recently. Basically, it was a metaphor, and it was saying that if where you need to go is a mile away, you'll walk. But if it's two miles away, you'll take a bus. Hmm. And then what ended up, you know, through, through the conversation where, where the conversation led was pretty much this idea where for a lot of people, they would actually be better off if their destination were further away, meaning if they were in a worse situation, like the job's not that bad, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationship's okay. I'm, you know, my parents are happy with where I'm at. And so I, I, I'm curious your thoughts on that of like, if that dilemma of where it's only a mile away, so you still walk, but if it were two miles away, you'd get yourself a ride and, if people would almost be better off with a setback as a force out of the comfort zone, because then it would trigger activity and, and progression. Or do you think that, you know, knowing that it's only a mile away is okay and you could still call for a ride to use the, the, the metaphor. Okay. For me, that sounds like people like to find the, the easiest way, the path of least resistance, the, 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 thing that requires the least amount of effort, right? Um, And again, that's trying to avoid discomfort. So let's say that thing that's a mile away is kind of nice, but let's say maybe the thing that is five miles away, super nice, like it matters to you. It matters to you more than anything. 
And when you start to think about what matters to you, people tend to be willing to put forth the work and the effort. Mm -hmm. So I call that values. When you begin to identify your values and what matters to you, people are willing to put forth the work. So another way I illustrate this. So if I can ask you to hold out your hand, okay? So I have a pen here. And let's say I'm going to take this pen and jam it to your hand. Would you let me do it? No. Okay. Now, I know that you have kids. So I know that your kids matter to you. Let's say I have to take this pen and jam it to your hand. But if you don't let me jam it to your hand, your kids die. Jam away, my man. Right on. Totally. I mean, I've done that exercise with hundreds of people. And every time I do that, you know, people are like, no, you can't jab me in the hand. Okay, but then I identify what matters to them, and they say, bring it on. Okay? So to, so to avoid discomfort, and that's physical discomfort, right? What's really hard is emotional discomfort. So it makes sense to avoid discomfort, whether it's physical or emotional. But then if you know what matters to you and you truly identify what that is, then people 10 out of 10 times say, bring it on. So you got something that's a mile away and it's kind of nice. But then you got something that's five miles away and it is 100% consistent with your values. Mm. People say, I'm ready to walk. I don't want, I don't even want the bus. I just, I'm going. And I'll walk as long as it takes. So it's almost like a worse situation isn't necessarily the catalyst to growth. It's more defining where you're headed in terms of your values. Mm -hmm. Because if you know what you value and, and what your goals are, then the discomfort feels justified, maybe? Is that why, you know, kind of all of a sudden you're, you're a little more inclined to... I, I think back to, so I don't know how much you know about the, the story of Ascent, but I was in 2021, I knew that I needed to make a life change. I was having incredible amounts of anxiety. Um, I wasn't being nearly the present father that mm -hmm. I wanted to be and just generally not feeling fulfilled in my work. I, I, was, I was in the same line of work, but in a, a, a different situation, and, and I was just struggling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a clear core memory of, I've gone through this whole process of knowing that I needed to make a change, but it was way outside of my comfort zone. In fact, the most out of my comfort zone I've ever been in by far. Um, my wife was pregnant mm -hmm. with our third kid. I had the corner office corporate job, the salary that goes with it, I was comfortable, but not fulfilled. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember I had my resignation email typed up. And my dad, who he, he'll listen to this, um, I have a wonderful relationship with him. Uh -huh. He knew that I was going to be making a hard decision and, and made the effort to drive down to support me. You know, and I'm in my 30s, and I still need my dad's help from time to time. But uh, That's a blessing. Uh, to, that's an understatement. But I had it typed up and I remember sitting on literally on the floor with my laptop in front of me not on any furniture I don't know why but I was sitting on the floor and my dad was sitting in a recliner and I could not hit send mm. I was just literally paralyzed by fear I knew I had to do it but the future was so unknown like I, I had no idea I, I if I was going to make a living if I was going to make ends meet I have a family to support a tremendous amount of 
responsibilities and pressure on me. And in a lot of ways, it was, it felt really counterintuitive because in a lot of ways, I was walking away from everything I had ever worked for also. Like I, I had earned that position and, and you know, the, the job and the pay, but I still knew that it had to happen. And I'll never forget my dad kind of leaned forward from his chair and he gave me some advice that if I didn't hit send, I would always regret it and I would always wonder what if. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, I hit send and uh, resigned from you know, my tenured job and, and everything and went down one of the greatest adventures of my life way outside of the comfort zone. But what's been remarkable for me and part of why I'm, I'm excited to, to have this conversation and, and hopefully get other people's gears turning is that through that, I have found that I feel more confident. I feel like I can overcome adversity in a better way. I feel even more grounded. And some of it's because the, the last, you know, I mean, you know how, what it is to, how it is to, to run a business and then raise a family and, and do all the things that, that you do. It's almost like I've got this stack of evidence now that says I can thrive outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, and it creates this incredible sense of pride and fulfillment in me. Um, and so it's just cool to see like that for me was the ultimate, the, the ultimate practice of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be totally honest, I'm not sure I could have done it without my dad nudging well, what me. Would, what would your life look like if you let your feelings dictate what you do? Yeah. What a great question. I think that, well, that's kind of the interesting dilemma. I still would have a good life, um, but I would have been stuck where I was at. I, I, would, I had plateaued, mm-hmm. and if I would have responded on fear, or reacted on fear, rather, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I probably would have continued to develop bigger anxiety issues and, you know, lack of fulfillment and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's an interesting thing to consider because how do you separate in the moment feelings from thought? <laughs> okay. You know, like I, how, how do you know, I, or is this what I'm feeling or is this reality? what I'm feeling or is this reality? Okay. Because every instinct in me told me not to quit my job. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. Usually those feelings like anxiety and fear show up when our thoughts are going to the future of what if, what if, mm. what if. So anxiety is found in future thinking. Depression tends to be found in thinking in the past with regret. Okay. And so... We, it's important to catch our thoughts and where they go and to not, um, well, thoughts are difficult because they hook us. They can hook us like a fish hook and take us for a ride and take us down some really dark places. And so if we can catch our thoughts and look at them rather than looking from them, that gives us space to decide what to do with those thoughts. We're getting pretty heavy here. We're getting, this is this is going down a wholly di- whole different path. But so um, I actually will be talking about this in one of my anxiety talks uh, coming up in October on how do we cope with our thoughts. So we want to learn how to look at 
our thoughts. We want to learn how to look at our emotions rather than looking from them. Hmm. When we look from them, it's like wearing beer goggles, if you will, and how that affects the way you look at every, everything around you and the way you see yourself. But if you look at something, you have to put it out there in front of you, and there's some distance between you and the thing that you're looking at. And that little space that exists allows you then to make a decision on how to respond to them. And that takes me back to what are your values, okay? What matters to you? So if you're sitting there on the floor and you got your laptop and you're wondering whether to push send or not, and then all that fear is jumping up there and you're going, what if, what if, what if, and you're, you're getting pulled and for a ride. And you can just, rather than looking from all that, you start to say, look at what my mind is doing, okay? Let me come back to what are my values? And if I stay here doing what I'm doing, is that consistent with my values? And if I choose to push send and that might move me in this direction that's different, will that move me closer to my values? And then you let your values dictate what you do, okay? Now I have to shed a little bit more light on values, okay? Values are not goals. You mentioned values and goals a moment ago. Yeah. And those are different. Okay. Okay. Values are like um, west. I want to head west. Mm. Now, do I ever get there? I can continuously move west. Okay. Now, as I'm moving west, I want to stop in Las Vegas. That's my goal. And I can get to Las Vegas and I can check it off my list. I've accomplished that goal as I'm moving west. Okay? So for you, you could have had values related to the, the vision, a vision of what it is that you feel, this is one of my favorite terms right now, is what is your soul purpose? Mm. Soul, S-O-U-L, purpose. What is your soul purpose? You know this is in your soul. And that is in this direction. Now, what is a goal you need to accomplish to pursue your sole purpose? Step one, leave my current job. And then goals, again, you check off the list. And then you accomplish that goal, and that starts to move you in the direction consistent with your values, which is west, okay? Now, some days, you are spot on, and you're heading west. And then other days, you get distracted by something, and you realize, son of a gun, I'm going north. All right, that's all right. It's not like you're doomed and you're a total failure. You just say, I recognize I'm going north now, and I know I want to go west, so I'm going to correct myself, and I'm going to do a better job tomorrow to make sure I'm going west, consistent with my values. You with me? Yep. Okay, so values are like these things that we strive for, but you never actually check them off the list. Right. You just know that some days you're more consistent with it. You're right on. And other days, you're a little off, and some days you might be going completely the opposite direction. But if you have an awareness of what it is, then it serves as a compass for you to, to, to make decisions. And then say, if I make this decision, will that keep me moving in the direction consistent with my values, yes or no? If it's yes, I make it, even if I'm scared even if the anxiety is there, but I know it's consistent with my values. If the answer to that is no, it's not consistent with my values, it's easy for me to let it go. So the idea being that if you have, if you've 
done the inner work enough to learn your soul mission. Soul purpose. Soul purpose. Thank mm-hmm. you. Which I love that saying as well, your soul purpose. I kind of feel like I'm flirting with discovering that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing that, you can establish what I'll call a core set of values, and that should determine your direction. Along the way, there's goals, which are not a bad thing, but different than your values. Mm-hmm. Values are kind of the 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 compass, the direction, the the they're bigger than bigger than the goals. Mm-hmm. Love that. And so the goals are things that you can accomplish along the way as you are moving your life in the direction consistent with your values. And then the idea being if you're moving your life in a direction that's consistent with your values, you should because one of the things I, I, I had a conversation recently, the my guest was talking to me about this need to prove others wrong or like validate himself based on the opinion of others. And the conclusion we arrived at was that that's fine to fuel him, you know, like for like motivation and, mm. and fire, but should not be used as the measurement of success. And the way I relate that to this direction and, and you know, aligning your life and your soul purpose mm-hmm. uh, with your values is that th- you end up feeling fulfilled or happy or satisfied or whatever the, the you know, whatever, whatever comes from being aligned with your values. And that's a better measurement of success than these other metrics, like what people think of you or, you know, peer approval or your salary or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can figure out how to shift that, to reframe our our thought processes on how to measure success in life, tracking it back to a feeling. And I know we're not supposed to make, you know, decisions based on feelings, but I wonder if that's a, you know, a better way to kind of look at that of like, I'm headed in a direction that's aligned with my core values, which makes me feel satisfied and that is success right there because of the feeling that i get not these other outside influencers or these other outside parameters that i think a lot of people can get so hung up on that that they can lose the direction that they're headed you know you you end up focusing so much on how big your paycheck is how big your house is or what your friends think of you or falling into you know peer pressure or whatever it might be where if you could shift your focus on the trajectory being aligned with your values, which I just love that. It's so such a profound way to look at where you're headed. I think that you can have a different measurement of success, which hopefully can, you know, provide folks with a fair amount of peace to, you know, to keep heading that direction. I also think it's important to understand that as we are on any journey, we can go a lot further. We can be a whole lot more successful if we don't go at it alone. And so um, it's important that you surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who could have similar values, who you could share with them what your values are, and then you hold each other um, accountable or we support each other on that journey. Because if we if we're doing it just by ourselves, then I do think we run the risk of getting caught up in that whole line of thinking of how do I compare to others? Okay? Oh, yeah, I really am so much more successful than that person. And we start comparing and judging ourselves. 
and, and, and it gets us so caught up in our own heads. So, you know, I, I encourage people to, and I mean, I, I say this because it's true for me too. Like I know when, when I am surrounding myself with, with good men who have similar values, who I can show up, be genuine with, and then gives me an opportunity to support them and ask them to support me. It keeps me more in line with my values and making me remember, oh yeah, this is, remember, that's where you want to go, okay? You got all caught up in all this other stuff. And yeah, I, I want to redirect myself and remember what's important. And, and I, I think it's important to surround yourself with people who will help you do that. So um, don't underestimate the importance of surrounding yourself with good people. If you want to go fast, go alone. That's right. If, you, if you want to go, go far, go together. Go together. Is that why you reached out and wanted to be on the podcast? Ah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I saw what you were doing, I thought, well, that's very similar to um, my mission, you know, trying to add some positive content out there in the world because there is so much negative stuff it takes i'm telling you it takes no effort whatsoever to find something negative it takes no effort whatsoever for us to uh, think negatively about ourselves and see that we're not good enough smart enough beautiful enough good just good enough right it takes no effort whatsoever it takes effort to put something positive out there it takes effort to have a positive difference in the lives of ever, other people. I can tell you that everything worthwhile in life is uphill. Mm. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. You know, the negative stuff takes no effort to roll downhill. Yeah. What a great way to think of it because then it's like you, you can almost, not, not almost, you can expect the difficulty, mm -hmm. like plan on walking uphill, mm -hmm. but that's what's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're going to do something of value or, yeah. you know, add meaning, it's going to be uphill. And I think that that translates to so many facets of life, building a business, getting in shape, you know, maintaining a healthy marriage, good relationships, whatever it might be, yeah. these things of value I just, I love that. The, and, and even like visualizing it as literally walking uphill helps kind of for me solidify the fact that like you're, 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 you're ascending, yes. which is difficult. Yes. You know, uh, mm -hmm. ascent is difficult. Descent is easy, but often slippery. Mm. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's a whole different, whole different, whole different path. So one of the things too, that I think is, and I do want to get back to comfort zone, but, um, we were talking a little bit about it before we, we started recording because I, I want to come back to the sole purpose idea um, specific to your sole purpose. Because one of the things I think is very remarkable about you, and it's worth you knowing this, that you, you made an impact on me years ago. Like before I even knew who you were or intentionally sought anything out, I don't even remember how, but we ended up Facebook friends and I started mm -hmm. digging into some of your content. And I think it's neat because I'm familiar enough with you and your work and the demand for what you do that you are insanely busy. You're, a, you're an individual 
that is in incredibly high demand, um, you know, with your practice. And then I know you do coaching and speaking gigs and you even give your time away to do anxiety talks at churches and the motivational moments mm -hmm. on, you know, on, on YouTube and things like that, which I think is remarkable because you wouldn't, you don't need to do that. Like, you know, for a lot of people, they're doing this, they're doing content marketing or, or putting things out with an end goal of getting new clients or building their business or, you know, heading somewhere with that for with a, a little bit of a, 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 you know, and not that that's bad, but mm -hmm. with, with, you know, with a different goal in mind than simply to help. I gather from you in, in conversation that you truly just want to help because you're, you're, you're incredibly successful in, in business and in other ways. So I'm curious, I'd love to kind of hear some of your thought process on, you know, why you continue, why you're talking to me even, and why you're doing the, you know, the, the free talks at the church, uh, you know, the anxiety talks and the content and things like that. I'm speculating that that's because it's your values and that it's aligned with your sole purpose. But mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you on if that's the case and how you got there. Okay, man, <laughs> this could go, how, how big of a story do you want? Um, I got all the time in the world. So everything that I talk about here isn't just something I've read in a book. You know, it's stuff that I've lived, stuff that I've experienced. Um, so my, my training is in, um, I, I originally went to a seminary to be a Methodist pastor. And while I was in seminary, I got to work with kids with cancer and their families. I'd go into the hospitals and be with the sickest kids. And uh, I would uh, watch people at their most vulnerable and intimate moments with these families. And uh, those experiences, I tell you, challenged my faith. I mean, I really wondered if there was a God, how could what I'm witnessing possibly happen? Yeah. You know, um, I actually graduated from seminary and um, I was incredibly angry at God and um, decided not to get ordained to work in the Methodist Church and instead um, had an opportunity to go then uh, pursue my doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I know I enjoyed those those moments with families and kids and um, I was encouraged to perhaps be a chaplain because of that skill and I uh, decided to pursue my doctorate in clinical psychology after I graduated from seminary. Um, and all those years I was, uh, I was struggling, um, struggled with, with my faith, uh, struggled with uh, um, sort of this idea of the way I thought my life would go and it wasn't really working out the way that I had planned. Um, and uh, uh, I, uh, my wife is a pediatrician, and um, we were pregnant. She sees my boys, by the way. <laughs> she does a great job. Well, so she does a great job because of some of our experiences. Um, we, we had our first child. Uh, we have four kids. And our first was born three months premature. Kelly was working as a resident in the ER um, in downtown Denver, and she had a placental abruption. Uh, which is terrifying. Um, and, you know, I, I remember waking up in the middle of night and uh, there's blood in our bed. Wow. 
And I go running to the bathroom and Kelly's pulling clumps of blood out of the toilet saying, I'm looking for our baby. And uh, um, drove her to the hospital, called, called the ambulance and realized I could get her to the hospital sooner than you guys could get here. Drove her to the, am- drove her to the hospital. And we spent um, time in the hospital trying to keep our little boy alive in her belly. And uh, she was jumped up with all these drugs to keep her from having this baby boy. And, and all this time I was going um, pretty much just in full disclosure, F you, God. Yeah. Like, really? This is, this is how you work? You're going to take away my baby and my, and my I thought you were going to take away my, my wife, you know? Like, I was in some dark places there. And uh, um, now I realize that experience, as tough as it was, um, it allows me to sit with people who are in some pretty dark places and are saying, F you, God. Hmm. And I realize you don't have to run away from that. Allow yourself to feel all that there is to feel, and that is part of life. Like, that is the beautiful part of life. Life, like, truly, fully lived, vibrant, full life has all of the ups and all of the downs, and the darkest and the darkest of downs, okay? Now, my son was born three months premature. He was in the little incubator thing. We were told, you know, all these what-ifs, horrible things. He came home from the hospital on oxygen at um, seven, seven weeks after he was born. Our second child is born here in Durango, Hannah. And about 20 or 12 hours after she was born, we learned that she has um, a heart defect, pulmonary valve atresia. And we need to get her on a plane and fly her from Durango to Children's Hospital. Like right away? To save her life. Wow. My wife. Hours after birth? About 12 hours after she was born. My wife had a C-section. And she's like, I'm getting on the plane. You want to talk about avoiding emotional discomfort or Mm. saying, bring it on? Because she had a C-section and she gets on the plane 12 hours later with her 12-hour-old baby saying, we got to get her to Children's Hospital to save her life. And um, I remember driving from Durango with our with our oldest son and our two Labrador retrievers and the whole way driving up there saying, F you, God. Yeah. This is how you work? Really? Seriously? Again? Again. Like, what do I got to do? Right? <laughs> Hannah now is a freshman at University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. She has uh, developmental delays. She has um, a low IQ, uh, largely because of the rough start she, she had. But she is known as Happy Hannah. And she has brought tr- tremendous joy, tremendous joy to our lives, you know. Um, and uh, uh, I, I look back on that experience um, as those dark, dark times, and I actually wouldn't want to change it. Interesting. You know? I mean, another part of that story is that I remember sitting in that cardiac ICU with Hannah after she had just come back from a, a second open heart surgery to try to save her life, and she looked awful, awful. There was nothing hopeful about that experience at all. Um, and uh, I had an experience that brought me back to God. And so I always look at my daughter Hannah and say, she brought me back to God. Wow. Well, and... Um, I wouldn't change that. 
experience. Oftentimes, I have to take myself back and remember that experience because it was so profound and so magnificent, and as time passes on, it's easy to forget it. But I wouldn't want to change it, you know? And so my wife and I knew we always wanted to have four kids. We had our third, and amazingly, like we had, Corbin was born three months premature. Hannah was born with congenital heart defect. You know, Corbin came home after seven weeks of life. Hannah came home after six weeks of life. Our third child, Emery, she was born without any issues. Like, we went home from the hospital 24 hours after she was born, and we didn't know, like, how do we do this? (laughs) It, like, felt weird that it was normal. Yeah. And Emery went on her first camping trip when she has five weeks after she came home from the hospital. She was on her first camping trip. But we were also told, like, my wife really shouldn't have any more kids. And, uh, you know, we had a plan. Our plan. Like, what happened to our plan? And... um, Thankfully, that plan didn't work out because we ended up adopting our fourth child. And our son, Mason, uh, we adopted him from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Perhaps the most unstable and violent country in the world. (laughs) And you want to talk about fear? Like stepping out of your comfort zone? Yeah. But my wife and I, we knew we wanted to grow our family. We know we wanted to provide a family for a child that otherwise wouldn't have one. And we were willing to feel the fear and do it anyway. And we flew to the Democratic Republic of Congo. and You physically went there? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we had to make sure our wills were in order to make sure that our children would be taken care of if we didn't come home. And, of course, in my mind are those thoughts saying, what in the world are you doing? This This is is irresponsible. My parents were saying, this doesn't make sense. This is completely irrational. And I would say, you're absolutely right. It doesn't make sense. It's completely irrational. And we're doing this because it's consistent with our values yeah, and what we want to do. At the time, was that a conscious connection, the values and, and, and the decision, or, or was that a subconscious thing that you just knew you, you wanted this life and, and that your family didn't feel complete and that you were going for it? Like, at what level were mm-hmm. you, because I know you were obviously studied and you know, uh, educated on, on the world of psychology. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, living it, if that was a, like, or were you able to kind of recognize that this is aligned with my values and we're going to do it or, or that it just felt right? Mm. Remember that term, your soul purpose? Yeah. So your soul, S-O-U-L, like it's in your soul. It is deep. It's a calling. You, like, you know it's there. You can't like pull it in your hands, but you, you know it. And it pulls you. It just, it pulls you. So, you know, as a person of faith, I'm saying this is just something that I have to do. Yeah, non-negotiable. It's like a higher power is saying, this is what we got to do. And I, it wasn't easy. I mean, honestly, my, my, it, when um, the earthquakes happened in Haiti in 2010, my wife went on a medical mission after that experience, and she served down in Haiti to help kids who had medical crises because of the earthquake, and a lot of them had lost their parents. And Kelly came home from Haiti, and she says, we're adopting a child from Haiti. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so we started the adoption process to adopt a child from Haiti. And, and Haiti um, was so overwhelmed with families wanting to adopt orphan children, they shut their borders down. Oh, wow. And said, it's, there's too much. So you don't hear about that positivity, by the way. No, <laughs> no, no. So we, they, they just shut it down, and we were told, you can wait until we open it back up, 
or there's other kids in other countries that are orphans who could also use a family. And I said, okay, um, they start sending you pictures of kids who are orphaned in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is one of the countries, the agencies we, we were working with had orphans. And that's just, no, that's just not fair, right? They start sending you these kids. You're done. Yeah, and of course my wife was like, okay, we're adopting a child from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was like, honey, I can understand Haiti because you went there, right? You served there, you saw these kids. Like I think of the Democratic Republic of Congo and I think of like, like Ebola virus and anaconda snakes and like violence and guerrilla warfare. Like what in the world are you thinking? Right. She's like, I just know we're supposed to do this. So we started the adoption process and we were matched with another little boy and we had gone through the process for uh, probably over a year and a half. And we were about a month from going to the DRC to pick up this little boy. And in there, in that country, they announced, like, this child's going to be adopted by an American family unless there's a biological relative that comes forward and takes him. Mm. And a biological relative came forward and took this little boy. Golly. We were sending him, you know, care packages. We were talking about him around the dinner table. We have his picture. We're like, we're getting ready wow. for this kid. You know, calling him by name. We're, we're using his name around the house. And um, it was gone. We lost it. And so we're like, ah. And of course they said, you can be done or you can keep moving forward. And keep walking uphill. Keep walking uphill, yeah. And so we said, we'll keep moving forward. And then we're like, we, the agency said, this little boy was just dropped off at our orphanage. And we all think that he's meant for you. And so they said, can we send you his picture? So yeah, you can send us his picture. And we looked at that photo, and Kelly and I both immediately knew, like, yeah, that's our son. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because yeah. you just felt it. Like yeah. In your soul, you just felt it. And so, you know, we started that, what, in 2010? And we finally brought Mason home in March of 2013. It took three years. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Love that. Do you feel like, because it's just it, the... The passion and the fulfillment that you have because you have found your sole purpose is clear. Like it, it, it precedes you even. And I think that's why I've been so excited to, to get to know you and, and chat with you and stuff. Cause just, you know, and, and when we have the benefit of social media where you get to know people, even though you haven't necessarily met them in person, but I'm curious because, you know, we've talked about the comfort zone and, and, and we've also now touched on intentional and unintentional departures from it. And then this idea of your sole purpose and aligning life with your values to, to fulfill your sole purpose. Do you think that, you know, because you, you look, and, and this is way overgeneralizing, but just for sake of the conversation to, to generalize, I think that there's a tragedy amongst many Americans that feel and even beyond America, but people that, that feel unfulfilled and, and stuck. Do you think that it's because of that they haven't defined their sole purpose yet and that that then can, can facilitate these departures from the comfort zone? Or do you think that departures from the comfort zone can help you identify your sole purpose? Like you learn yourself a little bit more when you're you do. when you're walking uphill. Yeah, yeah. Again, remember nothing grows 
in the comfort zone. So if you want to grow, you have to step out of that comfort zone. And then it's in that discomfort, it's in the challenge, it's in that struggle that you learn about yourself. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it's in that, that's where growth happens. So, and then, you know, another piece that's part of that is, is that doesn't stop. Like if you, if you step out of your comfort zone and you hang out there, you, you stay there, that then becomes your new comfort zone. So then you have to intentionally choose to do it again. Mm. And you stay there, and then that becomes your new comfort zone. Once isn't enough. And then you have to do it again. Darn it. Well, not darn it. <laughs> Thank kidding. God, because that means this is a lifelong journey. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter how old you are. If you have a growth mindset and you're intentionally trying to grow yourself, then you are intentionally finding ways to step out of your comfort zone to continue growing no matter how old you are. And I know people who are, you know, in their 80s and still doing that, still choosing to step out of their comfort zone, still growing, still living life, you know, that's vibrant and exciting and, and scary and fearful and all of it. That is what a wonderful life is. It's got all of the emotions, hey? Okay? Sometimes we, we get so caught up in what are positive emotions and what are negative emotions, and we want so much more of the positive emotions, and we don't want the negative emotions. But, you know, if we could just all call them natural emotions, because that's what they are. They're, there's really not positive and negative. We label them that. Right. Okay? But in the grand, like, Big picture, these are natural emotions that show up naturally based on the circumstances in our life. Like when you are faced with possibly losing your child, there's natural emotions that come with that, right? Right? When you are faced with the idea of, of trying something new that you've never tried before, there's natural emotions that come with that. And if we can just accept, like, yeah, okay, natural emotions showing up, but then we can feel that and step out in the process and doing that. We, we learn things about ourselves. Yeah. But if we're like, no, that's a negative emotion. I can't feel that. I must make that emotion go away, and then I'll step out of my comfort zone. Then your whole life becomes about that, trying to make that negative emotion go away. And you, mm. you never leave. You never, you won't do anything because your whole life will be about making that negative, quote unquote, negative emotion go away. Right. Yeah, it's so, you word it so well of the, you know, trying to make the negative emotion go away because it almost feels like instinctual to avoid those, you know, certain feelings. Um, and I think like having the conviction to realize that it's just part of the process. Mm -hmm. It's it's part of living a vibrant life, like you mentioned, which I also think that that's such a great way to frame these ups and downs that all of us experience. You know, like, how beautiful is that? That we get to feel these, these joyous moments, we get to feel these sorrow moments and struggles and anxiety, but and pride and reward and accomplishment. And you know, the, this whole mixture of things mm -hmm. is what makes this ride around the earth so rich. Totally. You know, like if you, if you, and that's where it's, it's a lot of the reason why I love running is that it's a, it's such a microcosm for life. You have to show up, 
Nobody can do it for you. Mm-hmm. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You'll experience a tremendous amount of pain. But if you simply don't quit, you also feel a tremendous amount of reward and you know satisfaction and, and like it all sort of paid off. And I just think that being able to recognize that that's a reality of life, living your life, you're going to have these ups and downs and these other natural emotions, such a healthy way to frame that because then you don't feel the instinct to run away when certain of those emotions creep up. I know that definitely would help me when I, you know, start to start to feel anxiety or fear or, or whatever. Or the thought creeps in like, you can't do this. You got you got to stop running, right? I mean, I imagine you have those those times all the where, time where you're you're at some mile marker and you're looking at how much further you have, and there's a thought that comes in, and and you know what you do with that thought, like that's that's your. That's where your power is, right? You do not have to respond or like be dictated by that thought. Like an, an example I, I have thought of often is in Durango, we don't have billboards, right? But whenever I drive down to New Mexico, as soon as we cross that Colorado-New Mexico line, there's billboards. Yep. And because like you don't see billboards here around in Durango, it captures my attention, <laughs> Yeah. right? And so like I look at them. I look at those billboards. Now, do I immediately do what that billboard tells me to do? No, I just look at it, think, that's interesting. Acknowledge it, see it. And keep moving, right? And so if we could treat our thoughts like we treat billboards, because that's, that's exactly what they are. It's just, it's just another sign that's popping up that has something that says, you can't do this. And you just look at that sign and go, interesting going to keep doing it. And I'm going to, and I'm moving, right? But sometimes we're like, oh, I have the thought I can't do this. So I guess I can't do this. And, and life doesn't have to work that way. If you can just look at that thought, like you look at a billboard and just saying, I see that. And that's interesting. And I'm putting one foot in front of the other and, and you do that. So like pushing ourselves physically is, is a great experiential exercise on how we cope with that stuff, yeah, right? Because it happens, whether you're CrossFit or running or, you know, hiking or, or something that's physically taxing. We usually hit some point where we're thinking, I know I can't do this. And then surprisingly, you're like, well, son of a gun, I did. What do you know? Yeah, so realize, huh, you don't necessarily have to believe everything you think. Huh. Say that again. You don't necessarily have to believe everything you think. What a great statement. You don't have to believe everything you think. Would it be fair to say or to assume that you can train your mind by taking those intentional departures from the comfort zone? Like cold exposure right now is is kind of trending and, mm-hmm. and blowing up and and... I've loved it for the psychological benefits more so than the physical ones even. But I'm curious your thoughts and and your professional opinion, really, if people can practice that, like the the intentional departure from the comfort zone, even at a micro scale, these these little Mm -hmm. running an extra mile or or 
getting in the cold exposure or having the conversation you don't want to have or, or whatever it might be that Just you can actually put your train. Watch. Move it from your left wrist to the right wrist. Simple as that. Simple as that. Wow. Because it'll feel weird. And that's good? Totally. Yeah. Because I promise you, if you do that, you, you move that watch from one wrist to the other. I think research has shown it takes like 17 days, and you won't even notice it anymore. It won't feel weird anymore. Mm. And the same logic applies to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you step out of your comfort zone and you stay there, it, it then becomes your comfort zone. Okay. It's just that you have to stick with it long enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So the watch example, you know, 17 days or whatever, any perspective on, and I don't know if it's even a fair question to ask, but you can move your watch from one arm to the other, and in 17 days you won't even notice. It feels normal. That's mm. your new comfort zone when it, yeah. as it relates to wearing a watch. Yeah. What's a realistic expectation in terms of, you know, meaningful evolutions from the comfort zone. Years, months, does it vary for individuals? Because one thing that I've, and I don't know if this is a stretch or if it's if it applies or, and is relevant, but I definitely feel it in my life, that oftentimes when I'm leaving the comfort zone, I feel imposter syndrome. Mm. Having you on my podcast, I feel imposter <laughs> syndrome because I'm out of my comfort zone, starting the podcast in general. I've been hyper, you know, and, and I wonder sometimes if that's an insecurity presenting itself or just the fact that I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm growing and I'm learning a new skill. I've, I've, this is only the seventh time I've ever hosted a podcast. I'm very new to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of curious if like, does, do those emotions of imposter syndrome or the uncomfortability of being out of your comfort zone, if there's any studies or, or just even your professional opinion on, uh, realistic timelines before you've now grown into a new comfort zone yeah. and, and how that might look. Yeah. So I think, I, I think the research says it's 17 hours of exposure and three weeks of consistency. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, but I mean, some of it is going to be, um, depending on w what it is that you're doing. Sure. You know? Um, I mean, if you... I think it's important to understand that making huge jumps generally doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, let's take, for example, um, you're going to go into a f cold plunge, but, but more like a freezing cold body of water, okay? And you could do, um, you could just jump right in. And when you jump right in, it's going to be shocking, right? That freezing cold, it's got a shock. Yep. But if you stay there long enough, what happens? You get used to it. You get used to it, right? Or you could slowly, gradually walk in, like, like at the beach, where it slowly gets deeper. And extend the misery. You can extend it, yeah. But ultimately, the outcome is the same, right? You eventually get to that same depth, and you stay there long enough, you get used to it, right? And so 
you know, sometimes I'll see people who are going, I'm going to like make this huge change in my life and they plunge in. Okay. And then they are, it's really uncomfortable. It's scary. It's, it's, you know, that shock and they jump out and they go right back to nice and warm, you know, outside of that water. Okay. So I generally say, let's take the gradual approach. Okay. And know that as you are taking that gradual approach, it is, it's like um, planting seeds. I mean, there's a planting season, right? There's a growing season, and then there's a harvest season. And seasons change. And so, you know, I would say invest in planting seeds for yourself. And that's, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, attending seminars, doing things. Maybe that's something that is... Uh, growing you f- educationally, learning new ideas, talking with new people, like stuff that is just growing you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's investing in yourself, right? And you're planting seeds, and then you're 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 taking care of these things by by just you know, like you're watering the seeds. Well, what does that look like? You know, I'm staying consistent with with what I'm doing, whether it's my exercise program or, you know, I'm staying consistent by showing up to meeting with the guys on a regular basis, not to drink beer, but to like really check in, show up, be genuine. And like, how can we support each other? Right. Yeah. It's, it's being consistent on like waking up at the same time in the morning to, to do the, do the things you want to do, whether it's exercise or some people, you know, spend some time meditation or do something that, that, that you're making a commitment to yourself not because anybody else says you should, but you're making a commitment to yourself to do this stuff, then that's like taking care of those seeds. Yeah. Right? And it's then like, eventually it, it's harvest time. Yeah. And you reap the rewards of that. I love that. It's, uh, it's Jocko Willink. I, I read his books. Yeah. but um, Extreme Ownership. Yeah. I recently read that. It's a great read. Yeah. But he's got that philosophy that discipline equals freedom. Uh-huh. And I kind of relate that to, you know, your idea of... of sticking with it and consistently and and showing Mm -hmm. up because at the other side of that is those breakthrough points and you're now comfortable in this new layer of this new level of the comfort zone so to speak Mm -hmm. because you practiced discipline for so long you've created some freedom for yourself to to kind of be at that at that next level Mm -hmm. i'm curious how do you you clearly have a growth mindset Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's clear that there's been several iterations of your comfort zone. How do you know personally when it's time to, to grow again, like when it's time to try something new or get a little bit out of your comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is your, what does that look like for you? Hmm. Well, I guess in my career as a psychologist, there are things that I, I do, well, let me say there are things that I did that I no longer do because I started to recognize there are things that I might do, but I'm not very good at. Mm. So let, let that go. There are things that I do that I'm good at, but it really is not fulfilling for me. So let that go. Where can I find the things that I'm good at and are and fulfilled? Fulfill you. Yeah. Okay. And so when I started to uh, really think like that, it helped me be more intentional on 
how I spent my time as a psychologist, okay? And, it, it, you know, it, if it starts to feel like um, uh, it's more of a drain than an uplifting experience, like I, like I love, I love working with people who want to meet with me, who want to grow, who are willing to do the work to change. But somebody who comes in and they're like, all right, change me. Yeah. I'm not willing, you know. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be here because somebody told me I have to be here. And so I'm here and like, this sucks. I'm like, well, then I don't, I don't want you here. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want to be the one working harder in this room. Okay. So people who are willing to, to do the work that's necessary to achieve the results that they want to achieve. I love that. But there were a lot of other things that I would do that I was like, okay, I'm doing them because it pays well and I know I'm good at it, but it's not very rewarding. Well, eventually I had to say, let me let go of that stuff. And, and, then, and then I have to let go of that stuff. So then there's this space for me to do the things that are fulfilling. Like it wasn't until I had to say no to some things that I had space in my life to say yes to some new things yeah. that were more consistent with what filled me up. With your values. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there's that part of my mind that says, yeah, but, you know, this pays really well, okay? And, you know, it's, it's consistent, it pays well, you're good at it. And then I'm like, yeah, but it just, I, I, hate, I, I hate who I am when I come home at the end of the workday. I'm not present for my wife and my kids like this is not who I want to be and so I'm going to intentionally say no to that stuff and I'm going to open myself up now I have some availability to invite some new things in that can help me keep moving in the direction of my sole purpose and my values okay and so like doing talks for the community like I do that because, man, I'm I'm I just I I just am energized afterwards. Yeah, you know? and and it also gives me an opportunity to serve people who other who might not necessarily have the opportunities to come meet with me in my practice. Right. So then I I can have this this reach of impacting people's lives in a positive way, and um, uh, meet just have a, an impact on a greater group of people, and um. You know, there are people who will come and meet with me and privately, but not everybody can do that. Right. And so for me to know, like, it fills my cup. Like, I am I am fired up. So that must mean something, right? Like, that just fires me up. So, okay, I want to choose to do more of that. And I do. And then when I feel that, when I'm like, whew, that fires me up, I was like, that's my sole purpose. Yeah. That That is consistent with who I am. I love that. And that's where, and that's, it's a lot of what I'm trying to, it's a lot of what I'm trying to accomplish is, you know, I, I see this soul on fire in you and, and in so many other people and I, and I have it in me and I have this desire then to like share the formula for that. And not that there's a formula, but to share the, the things that we've kind of, you know, that I've learned along the way because I just am so dang happy. I want other people to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just relate so much to like leaning into the things that, that make you feel alive. 
that I, I the other day, long story, and I, so I won't tell the whole one, but I ran a marathon. A few days later, my boys and I went on an adventure and we went on a deer hunt together and we ended up getting a deer, which was remarkable because I had a five and a three-year-old with me and mm. I got a deer with an open sight muzzleloader. <laughs> but um, whole, whole story there, but I was packing it out afterwards and it was a little bit of an, a moment because the sun was going down and I knew I had to keep it a positive experience for my kids, which meant I kind of had to hurry mm -hmm. to, you know, to get this thing out. Um, and I was packing it out and I was filming myself to, to put on Instagram and the way I worded it was that my body is wrecked, but my soul is on fire. Oh, wow. Like, I just felt amazing mm -hmm. because I was doing things that truly filled me back up, um, which then let me be a better version of my, a, a better husband, a better business leader, you know, a better marketer for my clients, a better dad for my kids. And I think there's so much power in finding those things that light your soul on fire and then leaning into them. And what, and what I think is fascinating that we've established through the conversation is, is that in order to do that, you have to leave the comfort zone. Like you have to do hard thing. You have to walk uphill mm -hmm. to even figure out what lights your soul on fire in right. the first place. Right. You gotta test right. some stuff. Right. So I'm curious if they're inversely correlated or not. Because you, you also, you mentioned in the past, you know, having patients that sometimes necessarily didn't want to be there or, you know, the motivation wasn't coming from, from within for them. Where my curiosity is, is can you teach people the rewards and the benefits of leaving their comfort zone by a forceful departure from the comfort zone, whether that's like somebody coming to therapy that doesn't want to be there or uh, you know, life throws consequences at you or whatever it might be that then can shift to this sole purpose and, and kind of finding a, a fulfillment path? Or do you feel like it has to be a conscious decision first to get the benefit from leaving the comfort zone? I think it has to be a conscious decision. First. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make them drink, right? Yeah. Um, anytime that I try to make my kids do something, it turns into a battle, and I lose. But if they choose to do something, you know, they're more invested in it, and they want to be successful at it. So, you know, I, I, I can let people know, you know, these are the, um, well, I th that's a common question I'll ask people is take a look at what you're doing and ask yourself, how's that working for me? And if it's working well for you, keep doing what you're doing, right? Don't change. But if you ask yourself, how's that working for me, and you don't think it's working very well, then would you be willing to try something different? And usually, But, it, but they have to choose. But they have to choose. I don't tell them you have to do something different. Just, you know, are you willing to try something different? Yeah, I'm willing to try something different, even if it's hard. Even if it's hard. Okay. Let's go. Especially if it's hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is, a, for me, a dilemma, you know, because I've got loved ones or friends or, you know, it, all sorts of, of people in my life. And when I reflect back, I've sort of had this tendency of trying to pull people with me. Hmm. Um, you know, like, I, I'm, it's like I mentioned earlier, I, I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to lead fulfilling lives and, you know, to, to, to find their sole purpose and, and pursue it and do the things that light their soul on fire. I got to time you out there, though, because 
happiness comes from getting what we want. Mm. And we will never always get what we want. Yeah. Okay? So, like, I try to say, it's not what makes me happy. That's not the goal. Because happiness comes and goes. It only comes when we get what we want. And that, we don't always get that. So I would say, pursue joy. Ooh. Way okay? better word anyway. Yeah. Because joy comes from being who you truly are. That's in your soul. You get joy from finding your soul purpose. Totally. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Okay. So I, I've wanted people to be joyful. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I've had a tendency of like saying, I've found joy. Come with me. Yeah. You know, and I've realized that that doesn't work, which has been a hard lesson for me to learn because I've, and, and thank goodness I have amazing loving people around me that see that I have good intentions, mm -hmm. but they're like, Ben, that's your journey, man. Yeah. I've got my own journey and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going about it this way. And so it's been a, an interesting practice of reflection for me of realizing that things that bring me joy might not bring others joy mm -hmm. and doesn't mean that they're necessarily on the wrong path or, right. you know, doing it, they're just finding their own right. sole purpose. And it looks different for everyone, which also I think comes back to that idea of like how we measure it and measure success and things like that, where I really do believe the measurement of a successful life is if you feel joyful, I'm going to use that word now joy. instead of happy. So thank you for that. Uh -huh. um, you know, as opposed to these, ex the external metrics that I talked about earlier. And so anyway, it's just been kind of interesting to see that Different paths can lead to the same outcome mm -hmm. for, for different people because we're all so unique. But when you're talking about like that journey to success, sometimes we will measure ourselves on that successful journey by seeing how much space is between where we are now and where it is we want to go. Okay? And if we take a look at where we are now and where it is we want to go, there's usually a gap. And when we focus on that gap, we're like, oh, I'm not a successful person yet. Still not good enough. Still not doing what it is I wanted to do. And, and, and that, that is focusing on the gap. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you take a look at where you are and you kind of turn around and look at where you've come, mm. you can see all that you've gained. Okay. And then when you see how far you've come and you can see that gain, well, I'll be damned if you don't look like a success to me, right? So when it comes to those measures of success, are you focusing on the gap or the gain? Mm. Because I promise you, um, our minds are focusing on the gap. There's always a gap. There's always a gap, okay? That's a, our minds do that. So catch it. I mean, like, oh, I'm going to turn around and look at how far I've come. And look, that is intentional, right? You got to be intentional to focus on, look at the gain. Look at where I am now. Yeah. Look at yourself, Ben. I mean, you're telling that story of sitting on the desk and or sitting on the floor and you're ready to push send and you're terrified and like, what am I going to do? And like, look at what you're doing. Look at how much you've gained. Look at the lives you're impacting, the difference you're making. Okay. Now, I don't know where, where it is that that mountaintop is for you. Okay. But it's probably really easy for you to go, well, look at the gap there. Okay. But don't neglect you know me too well turn already. around and look at the game yeah yeah i mean which is is brilliant and i think that applies in so many different so many different you know aspects of of life i mean you look at like the the, the 
comparison is the thief of all joy, mm. you know, and, and comparing yourself to others or seeing where you want to go. So it's interesting. And it's fun too, when you get the benefit of hindsight and lately I've had that in the way of Facebook memories. Oh yeah. So Facebook, you know, serves up memories and, and, and whatever it might be. And, and it was interesting because 13 years ago, just recently, Facebook served me a memory and my wife who we had just started dating when this occurred 13 mm. years ago, wrote on my wall something, something to the extent of, you're not yet where you want to be, but you're so much further than you were. It was a, this exact oh, so- yeah. concept of, you know, don't look at the gap, look at how far you've come. Yeah. And I think it's profound and cool. Thank goodness for technology and these great applications, if you choose to use them that way, um, to look back and be like, that to me is an indicator that consistency matters. Mm-hmm. That 13 years ago, I was on the same journey. It looked way different. Uh, you know, there were, there were these micro evolutions that have occurred along the way. And 13 years ago, though, my wife had the wisdom to say, you know, don't look at the gap. Mm-hmm. Look, how, look how far you've come. Mm-hmm. You know, find joy in that, be fulfilled in that, and then keep walking. Keep yeah. walking uphill, yeah. which I think is such a healthy way to look at things. Another, just kind of interesting uh, example, but and it's just using a, a physical thing to portray the you know the larger, the larger idea. My parents bought a new house in 2015 in Heber, Utah, a beautiful home. They remodeled it, and I mean it, it's it's beautiful. It, it we love going and visiting there. Their basement's bigger than my house. So I tell them like my rock bottom's your basement. So thank you for that. Cause <laughs> I have that at least. But since then the, the lots around them have been sold and people have built new homes on those lots. And all of a sudden their house is this little one down at the bottom of the cul-de-sac. And there's these huge towering, mm-hmm. you know, mansions all around them. And we've seen it sort of flirt with, and they haven't let it all the way, but it, it, there are moments when it, it almost can change their perspective and not feeling gratitude for this home anymore because the one next door sits higher or taller or, or bigger. And I just think that's another perfect example of, you know, we kind of talked about people going through the motions without finding their soul purpose, not knowing how, where they're aiming with values. And then you throw on top of that, these, this comparison world that, that is so much in our face mm-hmm. and no wonder people struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, because all you do is focus on the gap. You haven't defined your sole purpose. You don't know which direction to head based on your values. And I can totally see that snowballing in a negative way and having these negative negative feedback loops. And I think that it's it's so powerful to recognize that because it looks different for all of us, but to recognize, you know, those realities for us and then make a conscious decision be careful about what you focus on because mm-hmm. what you focus on gets magnified. So yeah. choose carefully you know, uh, and, I, and, and find your sole purpose and align yourself with your values. And all of a sudden you do those three things and man, you can find joy. Find joy. Did we just solve it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> your parents' house though. Like I was told you never want to have the most expensive house on the block. Right. Right. It's advantageous to you to not have the most expensive, biggest house on the block, okay? Also, it's advantageous to you to not be the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. okay? You, you, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. 
it's advantageous to you to surround yourself with people who are better at things than you are, so you can learn from them, so you can grow. I mean, if you're the smartest person in the room, and how are you going to grow? So, you know, if you're going to do that comparison thing, I mean, all right, compare yourself in regards to what are my strengths and what are your strengths? And let me be okay with knowing that you're better at that than I am. So, you know, how can you help me grow in this area that you're better at than me? Yeah. Okay. And then um, that helps me grow. And then I know I might be able to help you with some other things because this is my strength. And, you know, I could see you might need a little area and a little help to grow in that area. So can we help each other out? And so that's, that's growth, surrounding yourself with people who can help support you and grow you. And, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's not going to happen. Despite the fact that it's uncomfortable. Man, I want it to be uncomfortable. I mean, when I have people who come to me are like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. This sucks. And I'm like, congratulations, you are growing. (laughs) This is great. And they're like, no, I don't like this. (laughs) Growing's the worst. (laughs) Like, okay. Yeah. But one of my my favorite movies is the Parenthood movie. It came. It was like in 1988 with Steve Martin. I still have it. I make my kids watch it. It, it it's it's you know a movie that I draw all kinds of analogies from. And one that I draw from is the scene where Steve Martin is freaking out about what's going on with his kids. You know, and all this stuff is happening. It's all out of control. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And he's talking to his wife about all this, and, and Steve Martin's 90-year-old grandmother comes walking in slowly into the room, and she says, you know, when I was a little girl, my dad used to take me to the fair, and he would take me on the roller coaster, and never in my life would I ever experience such joy and fear and excitement and dread and happiness and anxiety, and you know, some people would go to the fair and they would just ride the merry-go-round. Round and around and around. That's it. I love the roller coaster. And she walks out of the room and Steve Martin is going, what in the world was that? <laughs> and his wife says, I think your grandmother is brilliant. And I happen to like the roller coaster. And you know, Steve Martin didn't get it until a few scenes later. There's total chaos happening, and he gets it. And, you know, despite all the chaos happening, this huge smile comes across his face, and he's like, the roller coaster. That is a beautiful, vibrant, exciting life filled with natural emotions that show up in all the highs and the lows and the roller coaster that comes with life. Much preferred over the merry-go-round. Absolutely. Just goes around and around. Now, that being said, there have been times in my life where I have said, God, put me on the merry-go-round. <laughs> I'm sick of the roller coaster. <laughs> I want the merry-go-round, okay? And in the midst of that, I know it. And then time passes, and I look back, and I go, yeah, I wouldn't change that. That was, that was life. That was real. Yeah. That was, that, I learned a lot of things about myself. I felt something. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Doug, thank you so much. I want to thank you on on several levels. One, thank you for taking the time to talk to me because, again, to reiterate, I know how busy you are. I know how valuable your time is. I also, though, know that the message that you're sharing matters. 
And so I want to thank you for that mm-hmm. um, and for being a force of good in the world, for walking uphill intentionally and, and you know, doing the difficult thing because it matters. And, uh, and I, I just want you to know that you're making a tremendous impact and, uh, and the world needs, needs more, more people like you. Um, so before we wrap, tradition is mm-hmm. that I give everybody an Inspire by Example shirt because you inspire me by your example. You're inspiring others. And I really think that if, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, the, well, you know, it kind of comes back to that idea that if we want to go fast, go alone. But if we want to go far, mm-hmm. go together. And I'm sincerely grateful to have you in my corner and that, that we can, you know, go down a similar path together and, and amplify each other's voices and, and amplify the message and hopefully spread a little bit of good. So very sincerely, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate the, this time, and I want you to hear that you are a person of value who adds value to people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, Doug. My pleasure.